Welcome to ProctorCast, where we bring you plain English interviews all about the most relevant procurement topics of the day in short, coffee break-sized episodes. Because, hey, time's precious and you have got value to deliver. So now let's get straight into this week's show. Yes, welcome to another edition of ProctorCast, where every two weeks we bring you insights and thought leadership and value bombs from the procurement world. And this week, my guest is going to talk all about how procurement can deliver value beyond just savings. There's a lot out there right now about how we not only drive savings and bottom line value, but we also often get dragged into other things that will, that we willingly want to help people with in the business, but we often don't get the actual recognition for it in terms of the total delivered value that we can bring to an organization. And that often impacts our reputation somewhat with our stakeholders. So my guest to discuss this is Richard Nixon from Per Angusta. Uh, and Per Angusta is actually a tech platform that facilitates companies to actually recognize wider procurement value. So Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks, James. So, Richard, before we jump in, just maybe just give a quick couple of minutes introduction around your background and what Per Angusta does to set the scene. And then once we've done that, we can dig into a few typical areas that procurement can deliver or add value to for an organization that historically we've perhaps not been recognized for. Thank you. So just a quick bit of background about me. I've spent all my career in and around procurement in one way or another. First 10 years in line roles in the automotive industry, direct, indirect, supply development, cost planning, then made the jump into consulting and spent around 15 years in a couple of big four firms. Firstly, EY and then at KPMG, where I was partner for their procurement practice and their operations practice for a while. And then moved in over the last few years, I've moved into smaller consultancies and enjoyed working with clients on, on a broader basis in terms of driving operation improvement and procurement and supply chain improvement. So I found myself last summer at a junction point in my career with the, the opportunity to set up uh, my own business, which I did, thinking uh, things would be quite quiet given all the challenges that we had. And uh, I always used to say to people, never underestimate the power of your network. And I took some of my own medicine through my network, was was lucky enough to to get a number of opportunities, whether it was working independently, working with Aiming, which is a fast-growing procurement consultancy, and also working with Per Angusta. So that, for me, was a new venture, working with a procurement tech company as, a, as opposed to working as a, in a line role or in a consulting role. And uh, it, it's been uh, really exciting in terms of discovering uh, what the technology can do. I think it's it's excellent technology. It fills a much needed gap in the market. And for me, in really simple terms, it's a bit like putting a, a world-class dashboard on, on top of a world-class engine and, and drivetrain that many procurement organizations already have. So uh, that's me in terms of my role at Per Angusta. I'm the country lead for the UK and Nordics. So you've been, so to speak, pretty much all around the block in terms of different industries that you've worked in, as well as in consultancies, and now as as an independent advisor for a tech company. So I think really you're the perfect person to to chat to on this topic, because what Per Angusta does as a tool obviously facilitates this whole 
reporting and recognition of procurement's wider role, but you've also seen it, you know, in, and, and lived it and breathed it in previous roles that you've had. So let's jump into a few of these that typically procurement are involved in and can help deliver value to the business, but maybe don't get the recognition. And the first one would be, you know, sustainability is a bit of a buzzword right now, and rightly so. And I'm thinking particularly around things like energy savings and CO2 reduction and how that not only for brand equity, but also in actual cost reduction in terms of utility spend can drive savings for a business, but may not necessarily be completely directly visible in the P&L. Yeah, so I think sustainability is a, a fascinating topic because it's it's broad for, st- for starters. Secondly, I think for some companies, you know, if you're looking at, say, the Unilevers and the P&Gs of this world, you can see immediately how improving their sustainability has a direct impact on the brand and on the customer. And, and, and clearly, supply chain is such a big part of their business. I think for other organizations, it's far more complex. So I'm in the process at the moment of talking to a financial services organization. And you know, unlike consumer products, they're trying to wrestle with that issue of actually, what does sustainability mean for us? What does it mean for our investors? Therefore, what should we be doing with our supply chain? You know, what should we focus on? How should we measure it? Uh, and where do we start? So uh, I think depending on which sector you're in, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's both a big opportunity and a big challenge. And, and I think just to lay on top of that, you, you've got a, a world of different technologies that are emerging and developing lots of best of breed solutions out there. And, and it's not like say, you know, the world of ERP, where, where you've got a few big players and you know we're going to go to one of a small number here. So there's there's a journey of discovery for procurement to undertake to uh, really know, right, which technology am I going to use, where in the process am I going to focus, and, and how am I going to translate this for my suppliers and my customers, both internal and external. To, to understand what value it delivers. Yeah, and you raise a good point that it's a lot trickier for service businesses especially if they don't own a lot of real estate necessarily to, to, to come up with sustainability because, yeah, it's, it's much easier for a manufacturing business where it's you know, clearly obvious in their supply chain. So, so with that in mind, let's move to another one that, that can be very much quantifiable and it is maybe more geared towards service-based businesses in terms of you know, something that affects a lot of the indirect and, and tail spend side of businesses. And that is measuring man hours or person hours, as we have to say now, saved in through reductions in things like administrative time. So I'm thinking creating extra white space through process optimization in P2P, catalog buying, you know, the classic eliminate, automate or delegate, you know, non-value added tasks. To, to remove that bureaucracy and administrative burden from from frontline workers that deliver value. Yeah, really good question, <laughs> and not an easy one to answer in, uh, in in a couple of minutes. There are two things to think about here. You know, firstly, most procurement organisations will have a way of delivering savings, and therefore they've got a way of delivering projects, and there'll be a number of stages there. So. You know, certainly with with Pear and Gusta, when we're working with clients, and they say, "Well, we don't do it like that." So, for example, you go to the public sector, and you say, "We've got a set of steps here, and negotiate is one." They say, "Well, we don't really do that." For me, I think you can translate those project steps from something that's sort of cost and cash focused, just to, to something that's more total cost focused. 
And, and I think, speaking frankly, organisations who say it's just too difficult, so we're going to take a leap of faith on this, probably not challenging themselves hard enough to be to be disciplined about that. I think then, you know, there are certainly opportunities when you, you know, when you start to look at, at, at process efficiencies, whether it's catalogues or whether it's global business services or other process efficiencies. You know, there's a there's a lot of business experience out there now, and organisations who've who've looked at situations where they know they're doing things inefficiently, and and there are many lessons that that procurement professionals can learn, whether it's from finance, HR, IT organisations who've gone through the same routes, or whether it's looking at peers and 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 how they've done that. You know, I, I think you can always argue that a total cost model will not be right. However, I think trying to work as an organization and understand total cost and understand what's the cost for example of us not having a catalog or having a catalog that a third party manages rather than we manage it actually trying to put you give yourself the discipline of, of going through that and thinking about it is a really important thing and can be hugely valuable and and really it's the sort of conversations it leads to in any organization then about right what are we trying to deliver what are we focusing on and not simply a total cost question, but also a, a bandwidth question about what have we got the time to focus on? What are we expert in? What do we want to be expert in? So catalogues is a great example of that. You'll find some procurement organisations where they know inside out how to set up catalogues. The knowledge will be invested in just a couple of people. So really complex area, but with a structured process and a bit of focus and the right conversations, it can be tackled. And you touched a little bit there around total cost of operation or total lifetime cost. You know, in manufacturing companies, total lifetime cost is typically associated with things like like capex. And and the the obvious example is, you know, we we negotiate and negotiate the cost of a piece of equipment, but then the capex buyer pays no attention to to after sales. You know, things like spare parts or maintenance interventions. But that can equally be flipped on its head and looking at total value delivery over a lifetime if you look at something like for example marketing services and and how using a more experienced agency even though they may be more expensive can can ultimately drive sales and or or, or drive profit And, and these things are incredibly difficult to manage and that's where you know something like Per Angusta especially for these type of things can can become a more trusted tool and and yes it's never going to be a hundred percent accurate but a lot of this is aligning on what will be considered as a baseline or how you will structure the metrics that you will measure it within and then you know having that agreement with key stakeholders i guess or with finance to even though there's an acknowledgement that it will never be 100 percent accurate like purchase price variance would be on p l there has to be a platform and a recognition around the value that's being provided and and some sort of KPIs to track. Yeah, MRO and CapEx is a, a classic example of that, and it happens in so many asset-intensive industries. About 25 years ago, I used to work for a well-known German car manufacturer, and they always, at that time, I'm showing my age here, but they always said, if we can sell alloy wheels, aircon, and a finance package as part of the vehicle sale, we double our profit on it. So you know, that's that's how organizations will think they'll be thinking about the the total asset. And for me, you know, when you look at something like Perangusta as a technology, it gives you the ability to do some of the common sense stuff. Yeah, the, the the fact that the technology can interface with 
with different systems easily is, is an advantage, although some people choose to use it independently. Uh, so that's a good thing. What the tool doesn't do and what you do need is, is good data for a start off. And I think in today's world, you know, we've got a tremendous opportunity with the, with the amount of data that we now have. You know, I don't think procurement can hide beneath the, the banner of that, that it was 15 years ago where you could say, well, it's just too difficult to get hold of the data. We now have the opportunity to, to scrape that data, to pull it together, whether you're putting it in data lakes or doing something else with it, so you can then start to pull it into a system. But again, you know, where, where we see our sophisticated or more sophisticated clients, because they're all sophisticated in one way or another, but our, our leading clients applying this, they've thought really hard about what data do we want to pull? How do we want to ask for it from our suppliers? And then how are we going to structure it? And then how do we structure the project, measure what a saving is, define what a saving is? Because again, still in this day and age, there are many organizations where they struggle to get an agreed definition of what is a saving. It's uh, a classic so that, argument, isn't it? It will never go away, I guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah you're exactly. absolutely right. Exactly. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter how and where you save money, whether it's CapEx or OpEx, you know, right now in the current economic environment, a saving is a saving. And therefore, yeah, it's important to focus on all those areas and think about it. I do think going back to your, you, you know, your introduction there, James, about a total cost and, and, and the, you know, the sort of spares and life cycle and total cost of operation that, you know, applying simple guide rails to things about how, you know, which sorts of suppliers are we going to go to? How are we going to set our stall out? Are we going to go, you know, purely with whoever implements the CapEx will use their spare parts? And, you know, similar to your your marketing agents yeah, example, you know, that can give you a better a better opportunity in the long run. I think the thing you've then got to think about as a procurement person is, what what's the appetite we have in terms of how much cash will you know will sink into this? How much are we prepared to pay up front for the the initial cost you know the, on the main asset, and how much do we want to spread over the lifetime? So so taking that into account is very important as well, especially at the moment. And one thing, particularly in the in the news and and very much in focus in procurement teams right now is is risk management and, and supply chain resilience. Maybe let's just spend the last couple of minutes talking about how can that translate into savings for businesses? Because I know a lot of buyers right now are grappling with tasks that they've been given around sustainability or around reducing risk in the supply chain. But then by bringing supply closer to home, they're saying, well, we're just seeing price increases. But you know, I think that's quite a short-termish and quite narrow view because when you look into other things like you know, inventory or you know, lost production time through late deliveries, if you look at it more holistically and maybe bring supply chain costs in as well in terms of you know, emergency freight or, or, or having to work overtime at weekends to catch up production, I think that's where a lot of organizations are failing to see the bigger picture. I mean, would you, would you concur with that? Yes, I do. Some of the conversations I've had recently with, with organizations, one big manufacturer, you know, first thing in terms of risk is how can we think about what the end, end customer wants and needs and are we satisfying that? And therefore, you know, let's not, let's not build inventory or do stuff that we don't know is needed by the customer and, 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 thinking about that is really important in terms of then reflecting that through the supply chain and challenging yourself 
on that front is is one thing that's really important. I think your point about people onshoring supply is it's one way to solve the problem and it's a good way to solve the problem but sometimes people are doing that because it's a, a quicker fix to something which which could be managed if they had better data and better visibility of their supply chains and i think to that point some technologies out there so yeah again i had two one of one of the really nice things on the the sort of suppliers module of Perangusta that it can do is it can link into things like Echovardis and Darkbeam and other technologies, so you can get you can get up to date data. You know that was always historically the challenge with risk, because particularly with financial risk, you, as a buyer, you'd be looking at reports that were data know, that's a year 18, old, yeah, eighteen months old. So, so you know, I, I would I would ask the question of: Do you really need to onshore, or is it a better investment of your effort to get better visibility of the supply chain? And I do recognise the big challenges in terms of global shipping at the moment, but but again, with good sort of lean lean tools and techniques, good data, and, and and some good technology to to see that those things should be manageable. Yeah, in terms of the, in terms of the total cost, the, the the point you make is absolutely right. That you know, don't spoil the ship for April for tar. You know, think about where do we want to spend a little bit more money to have that security. Uh, but you don't need to do that everywhere. And on that note, Richard, I will round this up to say if anyone would like to get in touch with you or with Per Angusta to learn more about the tool, what's the best way that they can get hold of you? Probably the best way to get hold of me is uh, just contact me through LinkedIn. You know, I will respond to that because uh, I'm on there as all great procurement people should be um, <laughs> networking. So just contact me uh, via that way. Will do. And for anyone listening, I will link to Richard's profile and also to Per Angusta's website in the show notes. Richard, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Obviously, a wealth of knowledge with many, many years of experience, both on the buy and now on the sell side into into the procurement space. So, yeah, thank you for coming on and sharing your thoughts. And, and yeah, hopefully whoever's listening to this has got some value around how savings can be measured beyond just you know price variance and looking at building an argument to convince their finance teams of the wider value that they can deliver so thanks for being a guest and yeah all the best thanks james my pleasure so that wraps up another Proctorcast. And just to say before we sign off, if you enjoy what we're doing here, then don't forget to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast player. And then you get a notification every time we release a new episode. Also, don't forget as Proctopus, we have a group and page on LinkedIn where we share all of our new events and relevant content. So head across there as well and follow us or like us and you will see what we're doing over there too. I know there are a multitude of procurement podcasts out there now. So thank you again for choosing to listen to this particular one. And I will catch you again on the next episode. Until then, take care and bye for now.